Hey guys, welcome back to My Game Fiction Addiction. I'm Amy Mallett and this is the second half of our double bill on The Last of Us Part 2. If you haven't heard the first episode, then go back and listen to that. And if you've just innocently clicked on this and think there might not be spoilers, just a heads up, there totally will be spoilers. We won't waste any more time, let's get straight back into it. We ended the last episode when Abby had just turned up at the aquarium to confront our girl Ellie after she'd brutally murdered Abby's friends Owen and Mel. In fact, let's hear that line again, shall we? We let you both live, and you wasted it. Whoa, here goes part two of part two. Here is where the game literally hijacks your life, forcing you back into the body of an enemy that you spent the last five hours of the game tracking down to murder. We're playing as Abby four years earlier, before she got swole, and it turns out her dad is a scientist, not just any old scientist, but THE scientist who Joel stabbed with a scalpel during his rampage. I knew it was going to be something to do with this. I didn't know if it was because Abby knew about what he did to the fireflies, and maybe it was like a, you have single-handedly prevented the redemption of mankind, you know, because we could totally have got a vaccine if it weren't for you, you mad bastard. But actually, it's something much more personal than that. It's her father. I didn't call the father thing. I was still quite shocked. It was a really big reveal, and I think um, suddenly it kind of becomes this this whole deal of like, oh, it was literally an eye for an eye. These were both father figures that were taken in response to what happened. Is he still in the fucking building? Abby. No! Abby, don't look. Dad! No! No! In one of the boldest and most controversial moves a video game narrative has ever made, you step into the shoes of Joel's murderer, not for a small guilt trip or a quick bit of narrative exposition, but to live out the last three days again as Abby. So let's start with Seattle Day One. One thing that stands out is the parallels between the two. The game is evidently at this point trying to compare Abby and Ellie in some way. You start to, as you begin to explore the narrative of Seattle Day One with Mel and with Manny and with Alice the dog, you see a lot of parallels. There's a dead father figure. There's an unborn child in the mix. There's lots of love triangles. Even the way that Abby wakes up on day one is kind of similar to Ellie getting up for patrol, you know? She's very like, oh God. Like, I slept really badly. Give me a moment. We're being called up. Isaac wants us at the front. What? Are you serious? I'm afraid so. <sighs> we should hustle. We're leaving now. <laughs> she gets kind of escorted around this awesome stadium. That, so cool. That was really clever. And it, and it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. It's a perfect structure and a perfect building in an apocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, one, it's huge. Yep. Two, it's secure. Yep, it's like a coliseum. You've got walls yeah. all around you. And three, there's a grass in the middle, so you can obviously raise livestock. Of course. Yeah. And pet dogs. Yeah. How long did you play fetch for? Be honest. I want to say at least 
10 15 minutes I knew seriously you would. i, I knew played you i would. played fetch for a long time well it wasn't my fault bear kept getting it again and then putting it by my feet and being like will you and i'd go yes sir of course i'll throw again that never so, happens in fetch does it it never happens in fetch i just loved his little expression every time i threw that ball he came back more somehow more excited leo <laughs> than he was the last time dropped it at my feet and i couldn't refuse yeah okay since you asked so nicely Get the ball. I think I did it twice and then threw it over the fence to see what would happen. <gasps> what happens? And then the game, and he, she's like, oh, sorry, Bear. Fucked up there. Oh, or something she? to that effect. Yeah. I thought I thought maybe Bear would like turn around and give you the finger. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mel does loads of things that she definitely shouldn't do while pregnant. You have that whole section where you get ambushed by the scars and you're stuck with Alice, Mel and Manny. And Mel's climbing up like ladders and she's going along like narrow beams and she's pushing doors open. And I'm just like, Mel, what the hell? Lie down. Get a good book. <laughs> what is going on? I mean, I kind of think pregnancy and the apocalypse, you can't be seen to be a uh, a burden, can you? So you just have to get on with it. I mean, they do say that like she was only barely signed off for patrol, don't they? Because mm. she's fit to pop. But she's very, very pregnant. I don't know the stages of pregnant. I don't know the scientific term for it, but I would class her as very pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> she does not need to be wielding a gun and running around getting attacked by scars. That's for sure. That's not medically advised. I actually cleared you for active duty. Barely. You could probably get a stay if you ask. I'd rather not sit around if I don't have to. So we realise Owen's missing and he's apparently killed Danny and run off. This was where Abby decides to go and find him and find out what the deal is. So we start getting introduced to some of the characters that we we know are dead in Ellie's in Ellie's world. So we meet Jordan, we see Nora. So it's a really strange uh, sort of part of the game because you're like, God, all these people are dead at the hands of me. Mm. And it's like, don't ask me to get to know them game. Like, I don't really want to... They're bad people. Yeah, they're bad people at this point. And it's, it's bizarre. I imagine lots of people didn't take kindly to the pacing and the fact that you're suddenly forced to live out the first half of the game again, but also from the perspective of a villain. I think a lot of people were very black and white at that point. They were like, I'm not doing this. Like, I bet loads of people who put permadeath on were like, right, I'm just going to get Abby killed. Solves my problem. <laughs> may your survival be long. And may your death be swift. This was also the point where I was like, I don't know how you feel about this. I feel like Abby is a really lonely, lonely character. She's lost her, f- her father. She's lost the affection of Owen, who she clearly still has feelings for. And now she's just very much a cog in a war machine. Her friends are a little bit like, you know, they're clearly, they're there because they're all in this faction together of the wolves. And the only person who actually seems to value her is Isaac. And that's because she's a great killer. There's a big storm a few days out. We're gonna use it to mask our approach. You two are going to lead the first wave. Pick your squads, start prepping. She doesn't appear to have a deep connection with any of the people that Ellie's been tracking down to kill Mm. as part of her band of assassins. Yeah, yeah. She seems quite um, ostracised in some ways. And Mel obviously is very awkward with her for obvious (laughs) obvious reasons. I don't really know what she's fighting for. I don't think she knows what she's fighting for. And there was a part of me that thought, this is where Ellie's headed. This is what her life is going to become. She's not the war-leading mastermind no. uh, who's idolised by her peers. No. As you thought, or I mean, I thought she mm. was when she led the killing yeah. of Joel. Everyone was quite reluctant. Even Manny says at the beginning, doesn't he, when they're walking through the stadium, like, Mel's a bit skittish about the whole thing. She wanted Joel dead as much as the rest of us. But she's not like the rest of us. 
She hasn't hurt people like that before. She, she kills scars all the time. Not the way we kill Joe. It was hard for all of them. Um, and I'm like, damn it, game, stop trying to tell me these people are human. I have spent my entire game trying to kill them. You also get that flashback where Owen is being a massive dick on the Ferris wheel because Abby hates heights. I'm going to say it now. Fuck Owen. Owen is a dick. He's a massive dick. Like, I Set out your stall on Owen. Set out my stall on Owen early. I think Owen's a complete piece of shit. I feel like I can imagine a girl falling for Owen, but at the same time, I'm like, he's he's a, he's a fuck boy. I think Owen's a bit of a fuck boy deep down. Oh, that bit with the seals. Oh. And Abby just is so hell-bent on revenge. She's becoming obsessed, and you can see the relationship breaking down between her and Owen. I know all the leads have dried up. Joel's still out there, you know? I know. What can I do? Let's go back. We can still make training. You go ahead. What about you? Mm -mm. I'm gonna hang out with the seals for a little while. This was another moment. We talk about not wanting what our characters want. I wanted to spend time with the seals. And Abby's like, I'm going for training. And I'm like, you what? <laughs> so one of the biggest moments of Abby's first day in Seattle happens when she's apprehended and attacked by Scars on the way to find Owen. We get another flashback for her when she gets knocked out. This time we've moved on a bit and Owen and Abby have now broken up and he's with Mel. And it takes place during Christmas when Abby stops by the aquarium to say hey. When she comes to, she's casually about to be sliced open by some seraphites when who should come to the rescue but Yara and Lev. Yara. Demons are coming. Cut her down. She's one of them. Lev. Bloody love Yara and Lev. Love Lev. Love Lev. Yara and Lev are fantastic characters. They offer a third, a third side to this idea of like, oh, okay, there's no black and white. There isn't just like an enemy who is evil. Everyone's human. Everyone's got their own motives. And you see from the Seraphite side in the form of these two. They're not all just savages. They're not. I love that Lev is so unsure of himself and like obviously coming to terms with his transgender identity, but also, uh, you know, questioning his beliefs in other ways because he's part of a cult. And he's like, yeah. I don't really want to follow all this Rules. If this was like a normal person in a normal world, it would be exactly the same, but it's so amplified because he's trying to leave something that the only way you really leave the scars is effectively death, isn't it? Never seen scars going after scars before. Seraphites. What the hell did you do? After making sure Yara and Lev are safe, or as safe as they can be with three arms between them, we go and find Owen. And things get a bit steamy up in this love triangle. In comparison to like Dina, Jesse, and um, Ellie, this love triangle is really messed up. That whole situation was so much more wholesome and agreeable than this chaotic mess. And I'm like, man, again, did we waste it? What, we do, you, <laughs> what do you want, Owen? What do you really what want? What do you really want, Owen? Oh. He thinks with his dick. There's a brilliant bit later on, actually, where um, it's where they where Lev leaves to go find his mum on the island. Abby turns to Owen, because obviously Owen's like, I'll come find you. I'll come find him with you. His pregnant girlfriend is just there. And Abby's like, Get your priority straight. Did you notice as well, when Owen was laying asleep next to Abby, he's got like burnt scars down his whole like right side? Oh, yes. 
Yeah. But I'd forgotten about that, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how it happened. I mean, I just remember thinking, Abby's got great arms. She has, oh yeah, you're jealous of Abby's I got arms. arm envy. Can you imagine her holding you after a thunderstorm? She'd break me. <laughs> like a twiglet. Snap me. <laughs> Seattle day two for Abby. We get the same recurring nightmare she's been having the whole time about finding her dad in the hospital. And instead, she sees a gruesome image of Yara and Lev gutted and hung. Clearly suffering from a crisis of conscience about leaving them, she decides to go back and find them, which leads to most of day two being all about her and Lev buddying up to go and get medical supplies for Mel so she can fix Yara's arm. You go with Lev to the hospital to get medical supplies for Yara. This whole section is like, it, it's great because it's it reveals so much about Lev and about the Seraphites. And because at first you don't know why he's been sort of exiled as such. And he says, he says to Abby, it's because I shaved my head. And she's like, yeah, cool, whatever. That can't be the reason. The Seraphites attack them, don't they? And one of them calls him Lily. Mm. And that's when it's like, okay, I understand what the situation is now. He was due to get married. He was due to be, um, unlike Yara, who's a hunter, he was going to be essentially sold off as a bride to another member of the tribe or the clan or cult or whatever. And he wasn't up for being a wife because he is male, identifies as male. So this whole thing with Lily, the disgust when Lev tells Abby, he says to her, like, did you hear what they called me? Almost like his own name is an insult. I thought that bit was so powerful and so well done. It's pretty cool. What's cool? Like, impressive. Awesome. You get a nice little bit of back and forth and banter between Abby and Lev. I really enjoy their relationship. I thought it was great, especially when they're on that bridge. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't like heights. I hated that bridge. That was, yeah, that gave me vertigo. Because you get, to, you go through one bridge, don't you? And it's not very nice. And Lev's kind of like, oh, it's okay. Just don't look down. And Abby's like, fuck you. And they get to the end. And then Lev's like, oh, we've got one more bridge to go. And you're yeah. like, oh, okay, I can do that. They turn the corner and there's an even worse bridge on the piss. <laughs> and you're like, what? Why am I going up this bridge? That's not a bridge. People cross this regularly. Yeah. You're lying. It's on the piss. This on bridge the- is on the piss. This bridge is on the piss. I've written in my notes. This bridge is on the piss. Why, Lev? Why? That's what I've got <laughs> written in my notes. And Lev, bless him, there's a moment, which I thought was really funny, where they're going up the bridge and uh, Lev turns to Abby and goes, What's going on between you and your friend Owen? Oh my God, Lev, now? Pick your moments, Lev, Jesus. So there was this moment that really hit me square in the chest and it was the moment where you go through to the hospital to find Nora as Abby and you're in the same area that you were as Ellie when you were going to go and kill Nora or torture Nora. So the level design, the actual um, location is exactly the same and it feels so weird because you're now strolling through it without a care in the world. All the NPCs are now on your side and you're seeing all of the cover that you hid behind as Ellie. And one of the dogs in the area in the hospital is called Bear. This is the same bear that you throw the toy for at the beginning that I threw the, threw the toy for 15 minutes. And I went up to him and gave him some fuss. And suddenly I had this flashback of in my Ellie playthrough, obviously dogs are coming at you left, right and centre. You have to kill a lot of dogs if you want to survive. Not all of them. I mean, I, I crept past a few, but there was one dog that went for me, gnashing teeth, and I shot it in the face with a shotgun. And one of my NPC people, wolves, shouted, someone shot Bear. And as I was fussing Bear as Abby, my brain just went, someone shot Bear. And I was like, oh God, no. And it suddenly hit me. 
I was the killer of this dog that I loved. Oh my god. You're a monster, Amy. <laughs> I'm so You're accountable. Rat King down in, in Ground Zero. What was your thought on that? Got a bit Resident Evil there, didn't it, for a minute? Oh my god, that boss fight was absolutely terrifying. <laughs> when it splits and then you've oh. got to deal with two of them. I was yes. just like, for fuck, come on. It's named the Rat King, isn't it? Because of the phenomenon of the rats getting their tails tied together. Yeah, it's the isn't it like a cluster of infected, day mm. one infected. Yeah, because it's ground zero, isn't yeah. it? The Last of Us isn't really a horror game, mm-hmm. but when it does horror, it does it well. And you are scrambling to find anything you have to kill this thing as quick as humanly possible. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Oh God, yeah, ground zero is not a fun place to spend your weekends. At this point in the story... I was getting more and more invested in Abby because of, I think mainly because of Lev. I think I really enjoyed her relationship with Lev. I thought the two of them together were brilliant. I love this kind of like big sister um, figure that she was becoming. and It, it sp- humanises her. It humanises her. Yeah, Lev, Lev is literally, and we'll speak about this in a moment when we talk about Abby's sort of shift in nightmares, but Abby actually physically herself finds redemption through Lev. And we, as an audience, see her redemption through Lev. Lev is almost the catalyst for her humanity. As a result of that, you've got uh, Owen and Mel and all the other characters that you're kind of invested in. This newfound group of people that you're getting closer and closer to. At this point, I almost felt like the game was forcing us to look at what we'd done. Like, we knew that characters like Owen and Mel are dead because of us. So by forcing us to witness their stories and to get closer to them... It's almost like we're a puppy that's pooed on the carpet and the game is like, look at what you did. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This is the point where I think I started to resent Joel a little bit. Like you were saying, you see the lighter sides of Abby, don't you? Mm. Her relationship with Lev. She is caring Mm. and she is nurturing. She's not just this killing machine. Mm. She's got a legitimate reason to be very pissed off with Joel. Mm. And also Ellie has a very legitimate reason for being pissed off with Abby. You start to rationalise both of their approaches. Mm. I still couldn't rationalise Joel's reasoning. I think I have an answer for that. Uh, for oh. that. I think I do. I'll, I'll tell you right at the end okay. what my answer is. The, the overall message that I took from the game that kind of explains Joel's motives, it explains pretty much anyone's motives. So we managed to save Yara. All is well. Owen's getting kind of gooey-eyed about us again. Abby has her nightmare one last time. And this time, her dad is there smiling at her. It's like some kind of metaphorical redemption. Through saving the life of another, she's found some kind of peace. Abby's final day begins with a very suspicious Mel who thinks Abby's sudden sentimentality is all a bid to seduce Owen. She tells Abby that Owen and the kids are planning to head down to Santa Barbara as per Owen's whole find the fireflies thing and she's going, unless Abby's going, in which case she's definitely not going. I figured you'd have talked him out of going by now. Actually, I'm going with them. But not if you come. What? He may fall for your little act with these kids, but I don't. There's nothing to fall for. Isaac's top scar killer suddenly had a change of heart. Nothing to do with Owen, right? I haven't always done the right thing. You're a piece of shit, Abby. 
After getting Yara to have some quality time with Alice, who's your good girl, we discover something even worse. Lev has gone back to the Seraphites island to try and find his mum. What did you think to the whole section on the Seraphites island? I mean, it starts off very stealthy, doesn't it? Very tame, yeah. And it builds and builds and builds. It's like an inferno. It's... So- everything was on fire in that scene. I didn't know. <laughs> I honestly didn't know how it was. You know, I was like, I'm, I'm sure Abby survives this. Yeah. But I couldn't see how you were going to get out of it alive. Mm. Graphically stunning. Yeah. Especially when everything's beautiful. on fire. Oh, God, the blaze on the water. In the lead up to it as well, when you're getting chased by Tommy, that's a real moment because, I mean, you're being hunted by a character that you love. Like, it all interconnects. Like, you you see this incredible sniper, don't you, who takes out Manny, oh, yeah. and you're on the br- he's on the bridge, mm. and you're trying to get close to him. And I kept trying to shoot at him, and every time I did, I got shot. But obviously, they don't want you to see that it is Tommy, but you clearly yeah. know it's Tommy. Um, yeah, that, that was... You were mercilessly being hunted by someone that you you love as a character mm-hmm. that felt unsettling and the headshot on man is is brutal oh That's, tommy yeah just <laughs> mid conversation bang <laughs> if you've ever seen departed it reminded me of the lift sequence which Ooh. i won't say for spoilers but if you've seen it you'll know what i mean poor lev killing his mom that was a real gut punch for him because clearly all he ever wanted was her respect and yeah. her to accept him how he was. And I, I felt like, I don't know if you entertain the possibility that she might have done, but I didn't think that was going to be a possibility. I didn't think that she would, I, th- I didn't think he would kill her, but I yeah. imagined that he would be dejected by her in some way. And to cu- to turn up and see him curled up in the corner because he's had to kill his own mum because she has, you know, turned on him was awful. I just tried talking to her. I tried to make her understand. She she just kept yelling. She started chasing me. Trying to make her stop. It's just pushing her off of me. She hit the table. Listen. You defended yourself. You did nothing wrong. I felt very conflicted about that bit because I didn't know if I believed Lev. Mm. I didn't know if I believed his version of the story. Oh, interesting. Do you think he just ki- he went to kill her? No, not necessarily, but I didn't... Like we were saying about the, the, the acting in the game mm. is so good. Yeah. There was something about it that just didn't sit right with me. Oh. And you never really find out. You kind of like have to believe his version of events mm. because you've got to go. Yeah, because exactly. You if need to you get stay, out of there. you die. Exactly, yeah. Because the wolves are closing in. What the hell are you doing? I need you to hear me out. What's that behind you? He saved my life. Move out of the way. We'll deal with you back home. He's not one of them, please. Abby, move. God damn it, he's just a kid. You have three seconds to get away from that scar. This was probably one of my favourite scenes in the whole game. Like, so much happens in this one moment. It's pouring down with rain. Isaac attempts to shoot Yara. Clearly, Abby's not going to let that happen. She turns on her her only family, really. What, again, a fantastic quote happens where Yara is shot. She's killed. But she manages to just, like, shoot at Isaac to stop Lev and Abby from being killed. And they run for the hills. And when they get inside the building... 
Lev turns to Abby and says something like, Those were your fucking people. You're my people. That single moment breaks down all of the the different barriers between people in the whole game. People that think they're at war over land. People that think they're enemies because of old people's past mistakes. Everything should be on an even in playing field. And that, that moment just brings it home for me where we're she all, says... We're all human. We're all human. And we're all still alive at that point. Exactly. Do we think Abby's still quoting Mel a piece of shit at this point? Like, is this all for her redemption? Is this a selfish thing for her? Like her helping Yara and Lev to kind of make herself feel better? Or is this very heartfelt? I really felt myself warming towards Abby's character. And as I said... I felt my allegiances to Ellie mm. waning yeah, and more angry with Joel by the moment. At this point, if you're not conflicted, I think you've missed something. I do, genuinely. I think you've, you haven't paid attention um, to what's been happening. And you're not supposed to feel like, oh, totally, we were the bad guys all along. Like, that's, it's not as simple as that. Um, it isn't good and evil. It isn't good and evil. And you... You know, you don't hate Joel and Ellie. You certainly don't hate them, but you also have a slight bit of resentment. You sort of hate Abby in some ways. Like, every single character has such a... Put it this way, if it was a dinner party, it'd be fucking awkward. <laughs> like, you wouldn't want to speak to anybody, but you also like them in various ways. Like, you've just... You've grown to know them. And I think in knowing somebody, you both have that dislike and that like. So, oh my god, you've been through hell and back with poor little Lev, and Yara's dead, and you're going back to the shore, and we know what's coming. Like, we know. This, to me, was, like, the pinnacle of good storytelling, when you are yeah. dreading. Like, I w- if I could have dragged that boat ride out for another 20 minutes with, with Lev, I totally would. Let's go back for a stroll. Let's go see if we can see something burning. Let's oh, go pet the dog. Let's go pet another dog. Alice is dead. Oh, and we kill Alice. And we actually, do you know what? We don't control that. Because I, I was thinking back to this and I was like, oh, when, when you're ready, do you get to shoot Alice? You don't actually have control. It happens in a cutscene mm. um, because I feel like so many people would just refuse, <laughs> me included. Um, but Alice is dead through a cutscene. But you step back into the aquarium and you know it's coming and you're just dreading it. I think I deliberately prolonged going in there because I knew what Abby was going to find. She finds Owen and Mel. It's all so different now in your brain from how it was when you as Ellie killed them. And it's been God knows how many hours of game time in Abby's shoes. So you do feel differently towards her. When the scene started playing out, when she goes back to Ellie, who's now kind of a distant memory, really, I didn't know which side the game was going to make me take. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of shocked it was Abby. I thought I'd be Ellie again. Felt like it would switch me back, but it didn't. It tried to sway me. And that scene is like David, isn't it? You know, when you're hiding from Ellie and you're hiding from the person that you, like the girl that you've grown to love throughout the whole series that you've watched grow up. She's now the new David. That was the most... Your fear of her. Yeah, that was the most conflicted Mm. I felt. Because at this point, I didn't want either of them to die. I don't want to kill Ellie, but I don't want Abby to die. Stay here. Watch the exits. Don't let her leave. Don't you fucking run! So this whole confrontation with Abby and Ellie, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. 
Um, I was very glad that both sides walked away. Um, how did you feel in that moment? What were your feelings on the fact that Ellie... Because Abby is totally going to kill Dina. She's well up for it. Yeah, I um, was like, don't, no, don't. Yeah, yeah. Because uh. I think, I mean, nobody in this game is blameless. No. But Dina, out of everybody, really is the innocent party almost. I think you made a great point that both Dina and Mel are very innocent. Because, mm. I mean, they've got the parallels of the unborn child, but also they are kind of caught in a love triangle conflict yeah. and all they really want to do is be there for the person they love. And I can understand while I was watching that, I was like, I can totally see why Abby would kill Dina because it is it is literally an eye for an eye in yeah. that circumstance. Yeah, yeah. It is exactly what one this pregnant game... mama for another exactly mm. and it's what this game has kind of like led you to believe and then it's about to happen and who should break the cycle but the best character in the whole thing <laughs> little baby lev love lev love lev ah! stop <laughs> she had nothing to do with this <laughs> she's pregnant <sighs> good abby And Lev just goes, uh, Abby. And it's almost like in that moment, she remembers everything that she's become that has transcended this revenge story. Hmm. And Abby walks away and she lets Ellie live for the second Second time. time. And this time she didn't even need to because if, you know, if this whole revenge thing is like... And she let Dina live. And she let Dina live, yeah. Which is Ellie's love. Her love, Owen, is gone. Like she has the option to take Dina from Ellie, but she doesn't. And this is where my brain shifted more in favour of Abby. Mm. And I know a lot of people will probably go, oh, Ziff, but it really did. I didn't like Ellie when I was fighting against her. Yeah. Some of the stuff that she said and the comments that she made. Yeah. I think I tried to do that classic thing of seeing if inaction was an action. (laughs) Like a way out all over again. Exactly. But of course, the game is like, "Mm -mm, no, Uh you've got to see this through. You've got to see this through. It's an intense confrontation that you feel very lucky to walk away from with Dina alive. And also somehow you've, you've broken the vengeful loop that both Abby and Ellie are trapped in. We move forward a bit in time to discover Dina has had her baby and she and Ellie are one big happy family living on the farm they always fantasised about back in Seattle. So this seemed too happy. This wasn't wasn't over for me at this point. You know, I felt like I'd been duped so many times. The workbench, the trailer. <laughs> I was like, I don't trust you, Druckers. This ain't over. But they had this lovely existence out on a farm with little baby JJ. I really wanted it to be over. So did I. So bad. I, I think like, everyone did. Oh, come on. Come on now. Yeah. Tommy visits, tells Ellie that he's got a lead on where he thinks Abby will be because she's tracking down the fireflies. Dina is like, bitch, no. Like, we're not going back into all that again and i we felt were... the same yeah i sided we, we with... all did tommy what a dick man yeah what yeah. a dick move also tommy i could have swore you died yeah he got shot in the head and he lives i mean he's got a slightly droopy eyebrow but he lives <laughs> tommy and quite a severe limp this was the moment where that quote of abby's just kept coming back and back i was like you have this life and this life now with JJ, like this little potato baby, like is so much better than it was before. Like Abby doesn't even have any of that. She could have taken that from you. She not only was the bigger person in this situation, but I just, I mean, I understand that, you know, Abby herself had to go through what Ellie went through to realize it wasn't the path to take. But we know, I mean, I know Ellie doesn't know it, but we know that it didn't make Abby's nightmare and her trauma about her dad go away by killing Joel. What did was finding a reason to live beyond that. So we want the same for Ellie. 
But unfortunately, she don't do it, and she's going back. You don't owe Tommy anything. I don't sleep. I don't eat. I'm, I'm not like you, Dina. You think this is easy? For you and for him, I deal with it. I love you. Prove it. Stay. I was devastated, but it happens. You can't refuse. You just have to go with it. Ellie goes to Santa Barbara following Tommy's lead to have another crack at the whole revenge thing. After she leaves the farm, it's very tearful, very emotional. We're back briefly with Abby and Lev in one of the most wholesome parts of the whole game. If anyone can hear me, please reply. Please answer. We got a clear signal on you. Where in Santa Barbara are you calling from? Um, 24, 25 Constance. Uh, we got a tip about a base, but there's no one here. We're looking for fireflies. I'm a, I'm a firefly. This was one of the moments where it felt like genuine hope and it wasn't tainted by anything. This idea that Abby has found the fireflies. There's over 200 of them. And she, her face, like she's so alive when she's talking on the radio. She's found a home and a safe haven for her and Lev. And at this point, my only like fear in the distance was like, oh God, Ellie's coming for you again. Like it follows, you know, that movie where <laughs> the thing's walking, like Ellie's coming after you. But the fact they get taken by rattlers, I didn't see that coming. Oh no, I felt, obviously I knew that, Ellie was coming. Obviously, I think you kill off a few infected. Yeah. But I remember being like, like literally, it's too quiet. <laughs> Something's wrong here. Something's gonna happen. I was waiting. I was like, I don't think it's gonna be Ellie. This is too quick. Something's gonna happen. So Ellie arrives and she's going through all the rattlers, killing everything that moves. At this point, she's in full beast mode. You know, that scene where she actually gets the rattlers to help her and they tell her where Abby is and she just shoots them dead anyway. Talk. She's in a holding cell at our camp. Where is that? Head that way till you hit the railroad track. That'll lead you to a resort. We keep them in the tall, round building. Think about the transition from like when she was reluctant to kill Nora to like then where she's like, oh, you've just helped me, but whatever, I'm just gonna shoot you anyway. Yeah. She's absolutely, she's in full Joel beast mode. At this point, I felt like she was the person that Joel became when Tommy didn't want to know him. You know, in the first game, like fake father, like daughter, she's become that person. When I was going through one of the compounds that the Rattlers have, you know, you can like release the, the clickers. Oh yeah. That was so fun. That's so satisfying. So satisfying. There was one one bit though where they were torturing they were like basically provoking a runner mm. i thought that was a person <laughs> like a survivor yeah. so i ran up well i didn't run up to them but i waited till they were out of the way and i went up to the person from the front <laughs> to help them like here let me help you and then realized it was a bloody infected and it <laughs> tore my face off <laughs> yeah. well, and i was like oh okay i thought i was helping you but whatever your um, humanity 
didn't serve you well in that instance. That's the thing about The Last of Us, isn't it? The humanity does not serve you well in any circumstance. After you've slayed your way through the final Rattler Den, releasing clickers and giggling maniacally as they more people, you find a bunch of survivors, stragglers, who are being held hostage. Abby isn't among them, though. She's down by the beach. And here we have the final, final meeting between the two, at least in this game. Abby is so messed up now. Like, she looks like Francine from Les Mis. She's scrawny, her eyes and her face are sunken, her hair is all messed up and chopped up, she looks ill, she just looks defeated. Like You can't, she's... You can't quite equate, can you? You're no. like, how did the Abby that we knew yeah. become this? Especially the last time you saw her, that moment of like, God, I found the fireflies, I've done it, Owen was right. Like, she just looks like a husk of a human now. It's, it's so demoralising to see her like that. I could not kill her. It makes you go for her, it makes you attack her with a knife. I actually kept standing there, letting her beat me up. I'm not gonna fight you. Yes, you will. <laughs> He's not a part of this. You made him a part of this. Hoping that the game would just realise my intention and, like, let me have it. And obviously it doesn't. It lets you say there's only one way to end it. And I I am really genuinely glad that they both get eventually to walk away. Because believe me, I thought Abby was going to die. I think that, for me, might be the most harrowing gaming experience I've ever had. Because the fight between Abby and Ellie uh, in the theatre is intense. Mm. But this just adds another level where drowning, beating, biting... Abby biting Ellie's fingers off. Oh my god. And you're just like, please... Please just end. I think yeah. you're you're emotionally drained because yeah. of how long this game has gone on. And how long this revenge cycle has ra- like yeah. rattled on for. Like I genuinely thought, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, that it was coming to an end before I switched to Abby. Mm. And then it's still going. You're just like, put me. Not, out of my misery. Not them. <laughs> put me out of my misery. I can't take this any longer. Because you played it before me. And whenever I kept asking you, you kept saying to me, I remember you I feel saying like to it's going to end at some point soon and it just isn't. Well, I remember you saying to me, I think I'm getting towards the end. And of course, I'd finished at that point. Mm. And I remember being like, Poo. you wait. Yeah, <laughs> so you're nowhere near the end. Oh. Just take him. you were you happy with the ending what were your thoughts on the final scene because abby basically the fight is over ellie has a moment she has a flashback of joel and it's the final scene that we actually see where he's playing guitar on the porch and we get this scene to round off the game and it is important because and i'll come to it in a moment but i think this basically this one conversation justifies every bad action in the whole game and answers the reason that joel did what he did and i think it kind of serves as a metaphor for judgment across the whole story and i'll explain that in two secs were you happy with how it ended for you I don't know if happy is the... Like, Mm. I don't... 
I think I was relieved because I didn't want I didn't want either of them to die. The game doesn't tie it in a bow for you, does it? No. It doesn't wrap it all up. You you're purposely left unsatisfied, unfulfilled unanswered that's literally what the game has done from start to finish and if you're expecting a definitive conclusion you're playing the wrong game i was relieved that abby didn't die that was the one thing for me that i had peace with the one thing that i was gutted about was that there was no resolution in the sense that there was no final closure for ellie maybe there will be in the same way that Abby found it through Lev. Maybe there will be for Ellie in the way that she will understand that she's done a good thing and that's what Joel would have been proud of her for in some way. Like, she didn't just kill for the sake of killing. She didn't go down that slippery slope. But if only they'd had that conversation. I don't know why in my brain that would have solved things for me, but I just wanted... And again, it's not like a gripe with the game. It's the story it's telling. But I really wanted that resolution of like, I wanted Ellie to know why. Because to me, the knowledge of what happened to Abby's dad gave it this kind of different flavour that changed the battlefield a little bit. And I feel like Ellie is always going to see this as some brutal murder. This is what happened Mm. to Joel. You did this. I never got a full explanation as to why. I just kind of wanted there to be that chat. They almost are so similar, the two of them, that I wanted that resolution of a conversation. You wanted an explanation, didn't you? I did, yeah. And you'd never get it. You never, ever get it. Can I say about... Dina, you know, I said at the beginning there was that quote of hers that has a double meaning. Mm. Dina says, when you're in the graveyard together and you're about to go on a quest to find Joel's murderer, she says, you go, I go. And at the end, if you think about it, it's in reverse. You go, I go. And it's foreshadowing the idea that if Ellie goes after Abby again, Dina's gone. Where do you think our Ellie's going now? Do we think she's going back to Jackson? To the Fireflies? Is she going back to Abby? Third time's a charm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she's lost everything, hasn't she? Yeah. She might as well. It's almost like, it's a weird thing. It's like, it's like a part of the game is almost like a guitar simulation. Yeah. (laughs) Learn learn basic chord simulation. Yep. And then you realise that that's, uh, well, that's out the window now. Yep. 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 And going back to realise that she's, Dina's walked out. It's it's all over for her. Her family life is gone. That literal manifestation of loss, Mm. as in loss of fingers, loss of her link to Joel, of Mm. something that he taught her that Mm. wasn't killing and and wasn't revenge. It was was like a pleasant pastime uh, that she could have held on to. Ellie's literally left with nothing. nothing. Because doesn't she even say to JJ, like, I'll teach you guitar or something? Mm. I'm sure that's a conversation like that is yeah. heartbreaking. And I can see where the story could go with with Abby. Mm. That's you you know that's yeah, definitely got That's left open, isn't it? That's yeah. that's definitely got roots. She's on a journey, but mm. where as you say, where does Ellie go from here? Where does she go from here? I think she's going to the Fireflies personally. I think that she's going to go and try to reclaim her purpose of being the immune the immune person. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I mean, she's still the key. Mhm. Or has the potential to be i don't feel you know i definitely don't feel the unwavering bond to ellie and backing that i did at the start of the game Mm. by any stretch of the imagination here's something to consider i almost felt like i mourned the loss of ellie as much as i mourned the loss of joel the lyrics of future days have that iconic line that's now in our heads in the series uh if i should ever lose you 
I'd surely lose myself. And I think that's true of Joel because Joel was threatened with the loss of Ellie. So he lost himself in terms of his uh, judgment and his morality. And he committed something, he did something terrible as a result of that. And it's also in reverse because if Ellie is to lose Joel, she will lose herself. Um, she's not the girl that we fell in love with anymore in the first game. Like, she's everything we imagined that Joel was at his worst. I mourned the loss of who she was as a person, as well as Joel. And I think that's probably where that lyric is most poignant, is that it works both ways. Ellie lost herself because she lost Joel, and Joel lost himself at the thought of losing Ellie. Man, that's deep. Can I say my final, final thing? What was the reason that Joel did what he did? You couldn't justify it. My overall takeaway from the whole game is that love is the excuse. At the end of the game, Joel says, I would do it all over again in response to Ellie saying, I don't think I can ever forgive you. You know, he's unwavering on that. He's like, I'd do it all over again. My thought on this is that it's love. Love is blind to morality. When it's someone that you love, it bends the rules. It's easy to be objective about morality when it doesn't involve the loved one. But so many parts of the game hark to that message of love's a caveat. You get away with it if it's someone you love and you can justify it if it's someone who matters to you. We'd all like to think that we know how we'd react in a situation, but morality goes out the window when it's somebody that you care about. And I think the defining part of that is Jerry, because if you remember Jerry, Abby's dad, when uh, Marlene says to him, what if it was Abby on the operating table? He doesn't answer her. Look, everything that we've been fighting for, all the sacrifices, all of the horrific, all of that is justified with this one act. If this was your daughter, what would you do? He's more than happy to do the operation. He's more than happy to develop a vaccine. But when Marlene says to him, what if it was Abby? Jerry genuinely can't answer her. He can't give her an answer. So it's almost like, yeah, what Joel did was horrendous. And we can't forgive him for that on some level, same as Ellie. But that's the... That's the, I think, the biggest part of the morality is that the message of the game is that love is the excuse. Love is the exception. Lo- love is basically what we use to justify all the bad shit that we do. And The Last of Us is an elevated form of that. Well said. I'll give you a tiny round of applause. Oh, thank you. Can I have another rum and coke as well as that? Should we get KFC? I need a stiff drink after that. <laughs> Oh, it's genuinely difficult to put into words quite how much The Last of Us Part Two has made an impact on video game storytelling. And whether you loved it or you hated it, you have to admire its tenacity in telling the story it wanted to tell. I think many people felt that they sold out to social justice, and I actually feel very differently. I feel relieved they didn't sell out to fans, because too often we gamers get exactly what we want in the form of milked sequels or abundant fan service, and actually just this once, although it wasn't always uh, a comfortable experience, I was happy just to be told a powerful story that I had no overbearing influence on. That is escapism to me in its its highest form. You might agree, you might totally disagree. Let us know your thoughts on the socials at MyGameFiction on Twitter or at MyGameFictionAddiction on Instagram. We'll be back in a few weeks with another awesome game story to deep dive into and feel free to let us know your recommendations for game stories we should cover next. Massive thanks to Neil Kuhn for our amazing artwork. Daniel Ansel for the spoiler alarm, and Matt Chapman of Muchas Music for our ear-tickling theme song. Stay safe, you lot. See you next time.